Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for joining us today in the middle of this series. I always say we're in the middle whether we're on part two or part ten. Forgive me, we're on part three today. Whatever the case is, thank you for joining us. We are talking about migration, um, specifically trying to stay connected to and pointing back to the example we have in Abraham and his obedience to, to leaving and forsaking everything, to leave all that he knew, to embark into this journey to what? Give his entire life to a promise. <laughs> it's incredible. And friends, that's what we have been invited into, to join into a, a grafted-in reality, to, to be supernaturally joined to something that is so ancient and beautiful and larger than likely most of us have ever heard before. It's a great invitation. In a tiny bit of, of, of review, <laughs> we ended part two talking about Ephesians chapter two stating that there's something of criteria that must, that must be met, of identity that must be understood in order for what's brought forth in chapter three. And so we're going to read Ephesians chapter 3 in measure, because for, for the aforementioned reasons in chapter 2, Paul tells the called out assembly there the following, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of Yahweh's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, here we are again, revelation of the mystery of Messiah, as I have written briefly, verse 4. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Messiah, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So what is this mystery? Salvation? No, no, no. <laughs> this mystery is much greater. Verse 6, this mystery... Oh, oh gosh, they're going to tell us the mystery. <laughs> he tells the church at Ephesus, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Messiah Yeshua. Through something. Through what? The gospel. The full gospel, friends. Of this gospel, of this gospel, he said, I was made a minister according to the gift of Yahweh's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Now, in, in great summary, in great summary, to my point, I want to submit that it is how we live our lives every single day, what we do and what we don't do, that reveals whether or not we have had a true revelation of Messiah and of the full gospel. I made this list and I don't even feel like reading it. <laughs> All of the things that we give ourselves to. Examine your own heart. Examine your own life. You know, I know. What we do, what we don't, what we meditate upon, what our imagination thinks towards, what gives us satisfaction, what gives us joy, what gives us purpose, what, what occupies our time. 
all of this adds up, friend, to reveal whether or not we're firmly rooted here or if we are in full-grown migration unto a better country. Unto understanding the mysterious gospel that can only be known to us in the same way it was to Paul, by revelation. And what is the mystery? <laughs> we'll get to that in a moment. We talked about that all the time, but in, in the context within what we're talking about and framing today, we'll talk about it. Yeshua is our goal. We can talk about Abraham, of course, and that's, that's the primary text today. But Yeshua is the ultimate goal. The way he lived separate, single-minded, perfectly set towards pleasing the Father. He was the epitome of a set-apart, holy, consecrated man. Fully God, fully man. Now, I thought of this, this is kind of funny, a little corny as well, but the, you remember the WWJD bracelet days? It's kind of strange, it never really, I don't think they really branched out. Maybe they didn't market it quite right. T-shirts, hats, uh, belt buckles, bump, I know bumper stickers. I'm sure they had all of that, but it was the bracelet, right? It was the bracelet for the most part. They could have accomplished a whole lot <laughs> if we really knew what Yeshua personified and his real purpose. <laughs> then what would what would Jesus, what would you, what would Messiah do would have a whole lot more weight than what it was made to be. As we talked about even in this series already, he was our Hoopa Gramos. He was our, the Bible talks about our one example, perfection. So to continue our, our constant theme of the program, always talking about here, Yeshua was, according to Romans chapter 10, verse 4, the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Right, that's right. That's that's why Torah's been abolished, isn't it? It's so it's so odd. I don't want to say funny. It's not funny. That's be a poor use of the word. It's odd to me how I read these things now, and I read them like, why did I think that meant that before? Why was I so con? And I really even mean it now. Why was I so convinced that Yeshua hated his father's law, or that he? He wanted in any... Why in the world would he want to get rid of it? I mean, it's just a baffling question now. But, so let's read this in proper context. In light of Abraham and migration and, and obedience and moving out of the ways and the patterns of the world and moving unto a, a kingdom government that is yet before us that we're longing for and looking unto... Because we're told Messiah is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Well, as the gospel series taught us that we concluded a week or two ago, the gospel must be obeyed. It's kind of revelational to me. Like, oh, you, the, oh, the gospel is a command, as we already talked about, in, in one way, in many facets. It has many facets. Messiah was the end, is rightly translated as... He was the aim. He was the goal fulfilled. <laughs> the Greek word here is telos. He was the one and only man to ever in the whole wide world in the, in the entire span of humanity to hit Torah like a bullseye. Psalm 19.7 tells us that the Torah of Yahweh is perfect. What's it do? It revives our soul. But it's perfection. 
It is the bullseye. <laughs> and Yeshua was the end, the fulfillment, the goal of hitting the bullseye. Not the eradicator of it. The end. Not the end. We see all this linear talk. We Oh, end. We see all these dispensations. End, beginning, end, beginning, end, beginning. <laughs> we want to chop everything up into bite-sized pieces so that we understand this tiny little time span that we live in, and we lose the whole. We lose the promise to the covenantal promise to Abraham that goes through every single thing all the way into New Jerusalem because we want to put dispensational marks upon everything and we miss the entirety of the gospel in its fullness. I would say I have done that. And the whole church that I've known has done that as well. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned Fallen short of the glory of God. The verbiage, fallen short. The what? what have we done? We, we, all others other than Yeshua himself, we have missed the mark. <laughs> That's the verbiage in the Bible. We've fallen short. We've missed the mark. We were going towards it and we failed. But not Messiah. He was the fulfillment. <laughs> he was the end the aim and the goal. This is going to make sense to our point of the whole of the whole series here momentarily. We now look to our Messiah to know how to obey and walk upright. Yeshua really, we could say, was the ultimate migrator, the ultimate sojourner. Yeshua knew not a place to lay his head. In every sense. <laughs> He didn't fit here, y'all. He didn't fit. He was the ultimate alien. And his invitation was to come. I'm the rabbi of the sojourner. And so come and follow me, but you got to be a sojourner too. 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that Yeshua appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. So that, that's the whole sin issue. That's why he could take away sin, because he was sinless, which allowed him to be everything that he fulfilled and accomplished. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning, and no one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Okay, well, again, in proper context, I believe... Sinning, keep sinning, is living according to the ways of the nations and continually living according to the ways of the nations. You're lawless. You're going your own way. You're making your own rules. You're adopting doctrines that promote a false Messiah that is not the Yeshua of the Bible. You're continuing on in those ways that, that to the other group of people were told that's all former condition status. First John 3, we're at 7 now. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he 
is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil's been sinning from the beginning. He has his own moral code. He has his own law, his own ways. He usurps authority, submits to no one, and he's the, he's the epitome of lawlessness. No one born of Yahweh makes a practice of sinning, for his seed abides in that man. He can't keep on sinning because he's born of Yahweh. By this, it is evident who are the children of God. And does that not sound like this, this verse we've already talked about, about Abraham's attributes? We might be able to finish this. Let's try to make this done here in part three, shall we? I believe the points are going to be made here as we bring this uh, closer to a conclusion. So by this, by these things, whether or not you keep sinning, rebellion, walking the ways of the nations, self-governing, being governed by doctrines of men and traditions of men handed down to us from our forefathers, if you live according to that, Maybe you've not been born of God because you keep on sinning. So by these things, it's evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Again, we're talking about the fruit of our lives and what we do and what we don't do. And there is evidence, friend, of, of who is our father. This continues. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of Yahweh, period. Practice Day-to-day life circumstances and what we give ourselves to and what we do not. If we do not practice righteousness, we're not of Yahweh, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, this matters in light of, of this entire presentation, because as I've started staying with regularity, I believe that the Scripture clearly allows us to, to define sin as going in rebellion and in the ways of the nations. Um, sin, sin simplified is disobedience. I mean, well, who says what's, I mean, that's the, isn't that the pulse of right now and has been for eons of time of culture is defining what is disobedience and sin? Well, that's not what I believe. Well, that's not what I believe. Well, that's not what I believe. Well, that's, friends, there is a law. There is a law. That has been given. Well, what about the law of liberty? Man, we've talked about that a million times, too. Don't get me started. The law of liberty says I don't have any law anymore. Amen. Oh, gosh, man. We misunderstood that one. No. We should not be seeking out validation of walking however we see fit. All right. So let's start moving this to a conclusion. I think we can probably conclude it here. The mixing in the body of Messiah. Lawlessness all over the place, myself included. I have it in my own ways, my own choices. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? When we look at something, when we want to watch a movie, when we want to go to a sporting event, when we want to listen to a certain song or CD or record, do we say, Father, according to your word, and I'm going to take the time to go through it before I even do that, 
listen to that, eat that, say that, watch that. I'm going to examine and I'm going to ask myself, is this darkness? Is this darkness or is this what you call light? Is this promoting lawlessness? Is this governed by lawlessness, produced by lawlessness, and defined by by being organized and orchestrated by people who are lawless? Well, what partnership are we supposed to have with it if, in fact, it is? This is just the Bible, y'all. It's just a matter of, like, allowing it to take us out to the woodshed and figure out whether or not we want to obey it. We all have to answer that individually. If you okay, so these these are two two people will say this two parties that are potentially watching this right now, and you're going to likely fall into one or the other. Number one, if you believe Torah is still perfect, still applicable, and still necessary today in Messiah, just on the other side of Messiah, just as it was before he came, then how are you living your life? Are you migrating out? I mean, for real. Are you leaving behind the ways of the world? Not just pork, not a bacon, not just a BLT, but are you leaving the identifiers that you kind of like it here in the world? Are you migrating out? True migration movement results in leaving one way as you pursue moving towards another. The entertainments and enticements of the world will absolutely be in our rearview mirror and not in the seat beside us. And I will say, even if you consider yourself a Torah-observant, Torah-pursuant believer, you could be as worldly as the natural man on the bus beside you. We are not above that in any way, in any measure. In fact, I'd go as far as to say many Torah-observant believers that I know are what I would go, according to like biblical definition, more worldly than many Christians that I know. How's that for a stinger? It's true. Now, the second group of people. I know many people that are similar to our journey would fall into this category. We left a laundry list of worldly behaviors before, or maybe not even yet at all, finding what we call the ancient way. Maybe a pursuer of holiness and the things of God, but in this case specifically, maybe you see Torah uh, as a burden or an outdated list of commands that aren't for you, that you weren't or just simply can't adhere to. I would humbly suggest that you're mistaken, as I was for most of my life. And you've not yet received a greater revelation of Messiah that Paul speaks of, the full gospel. Me, for 46 years of my life. On the path, of course, on the path. Man, I'm not saying anybody's not on this journey. We're just all in different places. Praise the Father that he has led any one of us to whatever marker we are at now in our journey. But this ancient way took what I already knew about my Savior and moved it into this immeasurable realm of mystery revealed 
and unveiled. An intricate plan that I had somehow quite mysteriously in itself missed my entire life. So to both of us, to both parties, to all of us watching this program and thinking towards what I'm presenting, we are all in this boat of falling short, just in different ways. We're all lacking the attributes of the whole, friend, all of us. Only those who are willing to admit it are going to go further into the revolution, the revelation of Yeshua Messiah. So we might as well fess it up and be honest so we can move further. So let us do what? Spur one another on, right? To love and good works. <laughs> and as we're always saying on the program and in our life to anyone else who might have ears and patience to listen on humility, well, what are good works? Who says? We've been told. So, so, so to put a bow on this, let's read Paul's, uh, Peter rather, his encouragement to a specific people. Not to whoever wants to simply read this letter any, any day of the week and no criteria and doesn't matter. Whoever reads it is true for, <laughs> no. But rather, quote, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our Elohim and Savior Yeshua Messiah. Oh. Oh, it has to be to these men? <laughs> to these, he states the following. Messiah's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All things. Everything. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. And again, what are we talking about? Abraham's beautiful willingness and obedience to migrate to the promises of the Father. So by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So our baseline is simple, really. And as we went to the end here, back at the beginning, two verses alone can really help us tremendously if we don't overcomplicate things. And we don't have to. We don't have to make this complicated just because it's not simple. John chapter 8, verse 39. If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works that Abraham did. Let us hear Yeshua transcend all time and say that to us today through the, the mystery of his written word. If we are now Abraham's children, we will be doing the good works that he did. We will be doing what he did. We will be migrating out of this now foreign land unto one that's promised us, covenantally speaking, that's yet before us. Being obedient to leave all of its enticements behind. Well, what did Abraham do? Yahweh himself said, Abraham obeyed me and he kept my charge. Abraham kept my commandments. Abraham 
kept my statutes. Abraham kept my laws. So to use Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, which has been our, our primary text that we started this with, number one, he was a man of faith. Number two, he was a man who obeyed. Number three, he was a man that migrated. And number four, he was a man that was actively awaiting what could not be found where he was re residing previously. And he moved towards what was yet far off from him. It didn't matter. It didn't matter how far it was. He was set for the promise that was set before him, and he was going. If we really want to be like Abraham and enter into the inheritance that he was promised, we had better seriously consider how the entire Bible has told us how to do so. I suggest that it starts like it started with him. It's the same origin for us as it was for Abraham so many years ago. Leave. Leave, friend. I'm saying it to you, and I'm saying it to me. Move out. Start your migration. Follow Abraham's pattern. Obey when you are called out. Leave no concern and have no, no fascination with where you're going. Just look forward. Don't try to figure it all out. Read and study and, and understand what you can, what we can get and gather from the Scriptures. But it's an, it is a promised inheritance that's yet before us, and we cannot grasp it all. But we can keep our gaze set and move. It is a promised inheritance, and it cannot contain the idolatrous, rebellious ways of the nations. The ways of the nations and all the junk that they present to us on a second-by-second -second basis will not be tolerated in a kingdom that's yet before us. There is a city before us. Not just any city either. Just, just like, well, you know, it'll be good. Sweet Beulah land. <laughs> no. It is a city that is designed and it is established by the author of the covenantal promise made to Abraham. Yahweh himself. Our eternal goal that we are called to now, today, to have set before us should affect every single thing we give our lives to. Is this a high calling? Yeah. It's burdensome? Sometimes. But to quote a, a dear brother of mine that I just saw this weekend, Yeshua said, my burden is light, friend, but he still has a burden. His yoke is easy, but he still offers you a yoke. 
So friends, are we committed to follow the origin of the promise? Are we going to join into Abraham's migration out of, out of all these things we enjoy here? If they are defined by the ways of the nations and all the offerings that they present to us, endless laundry list of things. Are we scrutinizing our life like the Scripture says and asking, is this light or is this darkness according to the Word of God? And friends, we have got to reckon with the fact that sometimes we want darkness. That is the natural man taint that we will be wrestling against for the rest of our days. But we have been empowered to be victorious if we desire to be delivered. Because Yeshua means salvation, friend. And as I said, He is the ultimate migrator. He is the ultimate forsake everything for the will of the Father. So in Abraham and others, and absolutely in Yeshua himself, we have been shown it is possible for us to be obedient, to leave all of this behind and pursue a kingdom that is yet before us and yet to be seen. Because the promise is true. Because the author of the promise is absolutely trustworthy and good. So, friend, I hope you're on that journey, and I hope that this attempt here has helped challenge all of us to count the cost and to migrate out of here because a far better country is before us. You've been watching the Path Design podcast. We're doing our best to rediscover the ancient way. Thank you for watching. Send us an email anytime you want to. PathDesignPodcast at gmail.com is the place to do it. Post a comment, share the video. Thank you for watching. It means the world to me. Amen.